If I remember right, that uh, song began the very first Sunday. The teens in Sunday school were doing the story. And those of you who know him, Dave Miller's their teacher, and he's such a wild and crazy guy. They just uh, got going on the words for that. So we've been uh, looking forward to sharing that with you. Um, Well, it's Halloween, and with that, a time to get scared. Uh, That seems to be part of what Halloween is. I'm always intrigued. You probably wouldn't be honest in church. How many people, people who like horror movies? You know, I, I, I won't go near them. But there's others who just can't wait to get scared. And the more scared they get, the more they like the movie. And, and I don't get that, I guess, because I don't like being scared. When you're scared, you're afraid. You don't want to go in that dark room. I remember, you know, when you're a kid and you got to go to the basement to get something, it's like, whoa, that's really bad. Or, uh, you know, if, if you grew up on the farm and you got to go out to the barn or something at night and it's dark and there's not many lights, uh, all that stuff, you just get really afraid. And it's not fun being scared because we don't do anything or we do dumb things. Uh, this week, late night, they played a bunch of video clips off of YouTube or Vine of people who were scaring people and they were taping them as they scared them. And, and I don't think it was set up. The funniest one I laughed at was this poor grandma is carrying her groceries in and one of her grandkids is hiding in the car. So as she walks in front of it, they honk the horn. And, you know, Grandma's right there. Well, she happens to be carrying a couple jugs of milk, and one of the jugs, a whole gallon of milk, just goes flying as Grandma about goes into cardiac arrest. And, of course, they don't show you what she did to the grandkid after that. (laughs) Well, what's the opposite of scared? In general, we don't like to be scared. I mean, even in a horror movie, I realize I'm sitting in the comfort and safety of a theater and nothing's really going to happen to me. But in real life, what's the opposite of being scared? Confident? Relaxed? Feeling safe? What about courageous? Having courage instead of being afraid. Well, we come in chapter 7 to a point where Joshua needed courage. Between chapter 6 and chapter 7, and really at the beginning of chapter 7, there's the passing of the baton. Moses has been leading Israel for 40 plus years. In in a sense, he is the leader. Nobody else can remember what it was like any other leader. He is the only leader. So this was a huge change for the nation. And Israel was again right where they'd been 40 years previously. And I really want you to understand that because it sets the stage to understand what we're going to look at today for our scripture. 40 years ago, Israel had been right here. A nation of nomads wandering through the desert, coming up to the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. None of that had changed. The land was still there. It was still a land of milk and honey, and there were still giants there, still walled cities. There was no cakewalk. There was no banner welcome. And Israel was no more powerful than they'd been 40 years ago. So in one sense, 
This was deja vu for them. I think we've been here before. They had, 40 years earlier. And the issue was, 40 years earlier, they'd been afraid. Bottom line for the nation, other than two spies who had courage, everybody else said, we can't do it. They were afraid. And in that fear, they made poor choices. And they doubted God. And they wouldn't go in. And out of that fear, when they were afraid, they had been forced to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And in a sense, every one of the adults who'd been there 40 years earlier, they were now dead. God had said, because you were afraid, you didn't have courage, you will wander and die out here in the wilderness. So now, it's take two. And now the kids are in charge. And are they going to do better? Because they are now right back at the same spot. And so the issue is, how are they going to handle it? And I was thinking this morning as I was going over the sermon again, you know, if you mess up, people will give you another chance, but they always watch you. You know, for me, I always think of, because this is where all my failures were in right field. First of all, the fact that I was assigned to right field tells you volumes about my ball playing ability. And I just hated it any time a batter hit the ball. Because the chances were highly in their favor that I would drop the ball. Or not even get close to it. And so when you're out there, and I knew when I was out there and it was hit my way, everybody's watching, can he do it? Is he going to get it this time? Well, I wonder if it wasn't that way. Well, you were afraid last time. What are you going to do this time? Let's remember what you did 40 years ago. What are you going to do this time? Well, I want to set the stage for us to look at what happens. We're going to read a lot of scripture, but I want you to go with me because this is just fascinating. So first we're going to look in Deuteronomy 31. If you want to look over there, and we're going to read a couple sections because different people are talking in this chapter. And I want us to capture each of these talks because there's a common theme, Okay. So we begin with Moses talking to Israel. Now this is his final farewell speech. He knows he's about to die. His life, he's 120 years old. He's not going to lead Israel into the promised land, but he gets to give a farewell speech. And I want you to capture a piece of this speech for what he says to Israel. I want to read, first of all, verses 2 and 3. Deuteronomy 31. I, so Moses, I am now 120 years old, and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you will not cross over the Jordan. So, Moses says, verse 3, the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. I won't, but God will. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord has said. And then jump to verse 5. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now keep your finger there. We're going to read somebody else's talk. But notice what God said. Forty years ago, you guys were afraid and you flinched. This time, don't do that. Be strong and courageous. And that's what Moses says to him. 
I can't go with you. Be strong and courageous. Now, now Moses turns to Joshua, who's going to be in charge. Okay, verses 7 and 8. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you for, nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The opposite of be strong and courageous. Be this. Don't be this, Joshua. I won't be there. Now, next speech, God himself speaks to Joshua. Jump down to verse 23. The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun, Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land. I promised them on oath, and I myself will be with you. Can we put in parentheses that land of giants and walled cities and powerful armies? It's going to be scary. Be strong and courageous. But we're not done. Turn over now to Joshua 1. We get the Deuteronomy 31 was sort of the Reader's Digest version. Joshua 1 is the longer version. And at some point it struck me as I was rereading this this morning, at some point Joshua was saying, okay, God, I get it. I won't drop the ball, okay? Because God really hammers it home here. Joshua 1, first of all, verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. And then in verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's promise, verse 6, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you must may be successful wherever you go. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, we're going to do one more thing there. So we've had Moses say to them, God say to them repeatedly, I think if you read that speech at one point by the end, Jonah had to be saying to God, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. I'll be strong and courageous. But there's one more fascinating thing at the end of chapter 1. Because Jonah, the, Joshua turns to the people and says, will you follow me? Are you with me? I sort of feel like it's the, it's the locker room talk by the coach before the team goes out to play the big game. And Jonah's saying, okay, can I count on you? Are you going to listen to me? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to be with me? And what I want you to hear is what the people respond to Joshua. It's part of the answer he wanted and maybe part of it more than he wanted. Verses 16 through 18. They answered Joshua back. 
Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. You can count on us, Joshua. Only. May the Lord your, the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. I, I like that. Joshua, we're with you, man. We just hope God's with you like he was with Moses. And that's our big wish. And then 18, whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. The people up to Joshua, they knew where they were going and what they were going to face. The giants, the walled cities, the powerful armies, they knew they needed a leader who would be strong and courageous. So if you put all of these together, it's a pretty powerful lesson. The issue is courage. God knows it. Moses knew it. Joshua knew it. Even the people knew it. The real issue from this day forward as we cross this river into this scary land that's a wonderful land and terrifying is we're going to have to have courage. We can't be afraid like we were 40 years ago. This time, plan two, we have to have courage. They had seen the cost of not having courage and had been paying for it for 40 years. They still faced the same challenges, and that's what I want you to see. There was nothing easier for them this time around than there had been 40 years ago. God hadn't changed. The promised land hadn't changed. The only thing that needed to change was they needed to have courage instead of being afraid. That was so loud for me as I read the story this week. I had already worked on a sermon with all the high points of chapter 7. And I shelved it, and the more I read and looked and prayed, I thought, God put so much emphasis on this, you got to be courageous, that that's where we need to camp out this morning. Why did God stress this so much? Well, I don't want to just talk about Israel. What struck me is, you know what? We still need courage today. And that's why I thought we needed to stay and talk with this today. Not just because Israel needed courage when they were going into the promised land, because they did. But the more I thought about it, you know, we still need courage too. Now obviously our situations are very different from ancient Israel's. We're not about to walk into a strange country with armies and going to fight a battle to conquer the land. But that doesn't mean that we don't need courage as much today. We need courage to, to follow God. To just do some simple thing like stand up and say, you know what, I, I do believe there's a God. I, I believe in Him. And we all have circles of friends and co-workers and guys on the ball team with us that that would take courage to just be able to say that out loud. Yeah, I, I think there is a God. 
and I haven't checked my brain out, and that doesn't mean I don't understand science and all of that. I still believe there's a God. That takes courage. It takes courage to not only believe there's a God, but to listen to Him, to follow Him. To say that His priorities matter to me. That what He said is important to me. That I want to do what He says, even if most people aren't doing that. Even if listening to God is going to make me look sort of weird, old-fashioned, out of date, hung up, whatever word people use for people who still follow God, it takes courage to say, I'm going to swim upstream. I'm going to be different. Even if that means I get a label of weird or out of date. And it's not just courage to follow God. Our lives have giants too. Whether that is evil in our world and how even some evil today has become so politically correct to be against that evil means we're weird. It takes courage to say, you know, it's not about me being judgmental or forcing values on somebody else. I just want you to say, I think that's wrong. I don't think that's the way we should live. I don't think that's right. I don't think it's okay. I know everybody lies, but I don't think it's okay. I know everybody steals, but I don't think it's okay. We've all come through the painful battle of this last year of of homosexuality. And that is so extremely politically okay today to be willing to say, "I, I don't think that's the way we're supposed to live. I think it's wrong. That requires courage. And that doesn't mean we have to do it in a mean, judgmental, hateful way, but to just say, this is where I stand. Because this is what God says, and and I, I believe Him. That takes courage. It takes courage to find rest in a world that sometimes feels out of control. We face tough times. Life isn't working, and we don't have answers. We're not in control, and we realize that. Whether that's in our jobs, our relationships, the economy, whatever it is. And and to, to be where Paul was in a jail cell saying, I found peace and I can rejoice in God in my jail cell, that takes courage. Because what you're saying is, I trust God. There's nothing in me to trust. I, I, I don't have the key to get out of jail. I don't have the solutions for this. The only way I can have peace, not be afraid, is if I have the courage to say, God's going to take care of me. And I trust in Him. That takes a lot of courage today. It takes courage to take risks for God. When He comes to us and and He says, I need you to do something for me. And that may be as small as saying, you know that person you work beside? I I need you to be willing to walk through that door and have a spiritual discussion with them. Mention church at work. That takes courage. Sit sit uh, sit with a bunch of guys after the game saying, yeah, you know when I was at church last Wednesday? That takes courage. To have that kind of spiritual discussion takes courage. To to get involved in a ministry. For the first time to say, we're going to do five shoe boxes. That takes courage. 
to go home to maybe a family that says, what? It takes courage. To sign up to help work with the children or work with the youth or go on a mission trip. One little task, maybe. That takes courage sometimes when you feel God's prompting, but you're the one who's sitting there, you know, in the cartoons, digging in your heels and scratching in the dirt. No, no, God, no, no, I don't want to go. And you go. That takes courage. If we only try the things where we feel safe, we will miss God's miracles. Can I say that again? If we only try the things where we feel safe, we'll miss God's miracles. Forty years ago, Israel had said, we only feel safe doing this. They missed the miracle. And every one of those adults has died in the wilderness. To see the miracle, they had to have courage to trust God. And that was the test where they were at the beginning of chapter 7 of the story. Now, the real question I want us to spend some time with today before we close is, well, okay, Jim, if, if I'm supposed to have courage, I'm not sure I feel like I do. So how do I gain courage? You know, we don't talk a lot about that, do we? We hold up people who have courage, and we're painfully aware when we don't have courage but what if I'm in this category of the not have courage and say, how do I move over here and get courage? Can I throw out six things that help us build courage? Because that, to me, I want to be helpful today and say, I want more courage. How do I have that courage? So let's go through them. They're listed in your notes. The first way to have courage is listen to his word. I want us to go back and read one more thing out of Joshua 1, and you can just listen we actually read it earlier, but I want to go back and focus on it. When God is telling Joshua, you've got to have courage, Joshua, notice what he says in verses 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. You will be strong and courageous. But you've got to take God at His word. You've got to read that word so that you know you're following God, so that you know you're on the right path. Then you can be more confident and courageous. Because I know I'm where God wants me to be because I read it in His Word. I'm taking that Word in with its directions on how to behave in situations, what my priorities need to be, what's wrong, what's right. And the more I take that Word in, the more I find I have courage. And of course, you don't do that if you're not taking in the Word. That's part of why... I am so thrilled with what I see and hear from people reading the story, sometimes for the first time. And it's not too late to jump in. We still have copies of it you can get. But be reading that word every week because the more that word is coming into you, the more you're going to find 
its ideas in your head to help you have courage as you face situations. The second thing is look at his power. For Joshua, how do you have courage? Well, look backwards. Well, let's see, there were the plagues. There was the dividing of the Red Sea. We were helpless and God wiped out the mightiest army on earth. We ran out of water and I saw solid rock produce water. I started waking up in the morning and there was just bread laying around that we could collect by basketfuls. And then we had so much quail come down on us we couldn't even eat it all. Okay, I think God can do it. Let's go forward. But you see, part of it is looking at the power of God and what he can do. Now, we're not Joshua. But just go out tonight if the sky is clear and look up at the sky. Or do a search on the internet for the pictures of Hubble telescope. And say, the God who created that is with me. The God who could produce all of that is with me. Or consider a powerful storm where it's sunny in the morning and by the evening it's black as night and the trees are bending. And the God who produces and controls that storm is with you. Whatever it is for you that is a powerful picture of the power of God, keep that in front of you. Because that God can handle whatever you face. But you've got to remind yourself of this God and how powerful He is. The third thing is trust His promises. This links with the first one. Because Scripture is full of God's promises. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of promises of God in the Bible. You need to read those. Because they're in the contract. God didn't just say it, you know, we've all had people tell us stuff and then you come back to them and they say, oh, did, oh, I didn't say that. God said, hey, you can put it in print. Put it in the contract. I am making this promise to you. I will do this. I will never do this. I will always do this. And we have it in print. And sometimes we need to review those promises. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never let you be tested beyond what you can handle. I will always provide a way out. I will turn anything into good for you. Those are all promises of God. And sometimes to have courage, we have to sit and do a little review. That's why it's so valuable to memorize some of those scriptures. Because sometimes we need to quote them to ourselves, In our head. In the moment. At work. In the car. In a conversation. Where our courage is weakening. And fear is growing. And doubts are growing. And we need to review some of those promises. Because it's the only way to strengthen our courage back up. You see, God cannot lie. That's part of His nature. 
there's just some things that aren't going to happen. I'm not going to fly. It doesn't matter what anybody else tells you. Whatever you hear, I'm not going to fly. It's just not going to happen. Not on my own. You never have to worry about that. Well, that's such an obvious, silly thing, but God is the same way with lying. It's just not in His nature. He's not going to lie. It's never going to happen. But if that's true of God, then that means all these promises, we can count on them. And there, there will never be a situation or a day when God doesn't keep that promise. doesn't matter where you're at, how deep you're in over your head, God will never lie. He will never not keep His promise. That is an anchor for us for courage. The fourth one, review his record. All he did for Moses and Israel, all he did for Joshua and everything we read in chapter 7, all he did throughout the entire Bible. But not just there. He is at work today. Testimonies. I, Kim and I have a... a, a crusade that we haven't done very well at but we won't give up we need to hear testimonies from today because we all need that it's it's one thing to hear well god did divided the red sea god you know tore down the walls of jericho well that's great but we also need to hear he's doing that today and that's the value of testimonies. And I know testimonies have a lot of caricatures and we, we tease about them. But a real testimony of saying, I need you to know this is what God did today. This is what God did this last week. And somehow we want to figure out how to share those. Because we all need that. Because what that does is it gives us a track record for God now. And if I know that he is at work here today in Anoka County in 2013, that will help me have courage when I face a tough situation. Because I am rehearsing God's track record. And as I review that, it helps me have courage as I move forward. The fifth one, rest in his love. You see, if you're convinced, if we're convinced that God loves us, then I'm going to have courage. And that's why I, I love how we celebrate communion every Sunday. Because it is a physical act that reminds me of how much God loves me. It reminds me of the, the extent God was willing to go by sacrificing Jesus, by dying on the cross. And as Paul himself says, if he has gone that far for us, how will he not also be with us? I know God loves me because he showed it. And if I remind myself of how much he cares about me, then that gives me courage to move forward. And the last step to have courage is talk to him. We call it in theology prayer, but all it is is talking to God. And if you're afraid, if you're doubting, if you're ready to run the other way, first of all, guess what? God already knows that. He knows everything. So you don't have to be ashamed to go to him in all honesty and say, God, I'm about ready to bail. I just got to be honest with you. I am terrified. I'm not sure there's a molecule of courage in me right now. 
help me. Moses had to do that. Joshua had to do that. It's okay to go to God and say, I'm wavering, man. I need you to help me have courage. You see, God loves to be in that place where we just ask for his help. How many of us as parents watch our kids struggle and fail, saying, would they just ask me for some help? Now, sometimes we jump in when we shouldn't, and that doesn't work well. But we're wishing they would just ask for some help. We'd love to help them. God's the same way. One of the best ways to have help with courage is to go to God and say, I need some help. I need some more courage here, because I, in my humanness, don't have enough. So I would ask you today, how courageous are you? The question that goes with that is, where are you? Are you in the middle of the Jordan? Are you still on the other side? Are you walking around a walled city that's got giants in it and you're terrified? Where are you in your life and how are you doing with courage? It is so key. And if in yourself you're saying, I'm not sure I'm finding much courage, there's some things you can do. And chief among them is to go to God and say, God, right now I need some help. I don't feel very courageous today. And I want to be strong and courageous so I can see you do amazing things. Help me. Help me find courage today. Father, thanks. Uh, thanks for how much you talk to them about you've got to be strong and courageous. Once we look at them all and line them all up, it, it's a pretty clear message. And the truth is, we still need to hear that today. Because it's as hard for us to be courageous sometimes as it was for Joshua and Israel. And you helped them and they took the promised land. And I ask you now to help each person in this room, some of whom I know are struggling for courage. Help them. That they might focus on you and be strong and courageous. So they can see you work in their lives too. I ask this through Jesus.